If you thought the leaky building crisis, speaking of liquids, was all patched up and consigned to this skip bin of history, my next guests will disabuse you of that notion. In fact, John Gray and Roger Levy have found defective apartment buildings are still going up around New Zealand. The pair were both heads of their respective body corporates when the impact of the initial leaky buildings crisis first hit. That experience led them to form Hobans, the Homeowners and Buyers Association of New Zealand. John and Roger filmed a documentary series in 2021 called A Living Hell, Apartment Disasters. Unfortunately, they've had more than enough material for a sequel, A Living Hell Series 2, which they've just released, although this new series also focuses on some possible solutions. And by the way, if you've been affected by building defects and want to share your experiences with us, email 9 to noon at rnz.co.nz or text us on 2101. John and Roger join me now. Kia ora, John. Kia ora, Brian. Kia ora, Roger. Hi, Brian. I thought uh, we had fixed, Roger, this leaky building business years ago. Uh, yeah, well, far far from it, Brian. Um, unfortunately, um, this is ongoing. We've, we've got a life's work, really, ahead of us. And, um, and unfortunately, we're still seeing new buildings being built with a lot of defects as well. And you expect a significant number of new apartments going up right now are going to give us problems soon? Yes, I, I think it's important to understand that they're probably not as systemic as what we saw in the 90s, early 2000s, a lot of those buildings. But uh, in new buildings, we are still seeing a lot of failures, a lot of poor construction. Uh, and also the other concern we have is a lot of um, older buildings that have not been well maintained that now need to be maintained and that then leads to uh, the requirement for major work to make those buildings compliant again. John, tell us about your experience that led you and Roger to forming Hobarns. Well, I owned uh, a townhouse in Ponsonby, which was uh, in a group of 10 and a, a some would call a gated community, but there was no gate. Um, and I bought that in the uh, late 1990s um, and found out in early 2000 um, that it was a leaker. And it was quite devastating because it, it meant that uh, you know, mine was not the only one in the complex that suffered from the problem. So we had to move forward and undertake repairs and uh, take a claim against the developer and builders and everyone else involved, um, which costs a fortune. Uh, we were fortunate uh, shortly thereafter when we had filed proceedings in the courts uh, that the government had formed the Weathertight Homes Resolution Service. So we opted to go to adjudication um, through that service, which was a more cost-effective way of getting uh, justice, and we won our case. But the repairs um, to our building uh, under uncovered many, many uh, systemic problems with the construction. And, uh, and of course, the result uh, also from the case that we took meant that the council was really the last man standing, so to speak, um, because the cynical misuse of um, the Companies Act means that um, builders and developers can scurry down the drain pipe like a scalded rat. And uh, that happens far too frequently, as we've seen over the years now, subsequent to that. So looking at Leaking Buildings, A Living Hell Series 2, 
there are a couple of, of ideas that come through watching. One is, as, as we've just been saying, new leaky buildings are still going up. And two, a lot of, as you said just then, a lot of leaky building issues haven't been resolved. And you talked about the Ridge Apartments. This is one example, an apartment in Mary's Bay, St. Mary's Bay in Auckland, built in 2004. $15 million spent on fixing it. It's still empty. How does this happen? Well, I think Roger can speak to that because he's more closely involved in it. Tell, tell us, Roger. Yeah, so, yep, uh, yeah, Brian. So, so that building was actually originally built in the 1980s as a commercial building and it was converted to apartments in the early 2000s. And so, I guess that's the first thing to um, just, be, just consider is that there's quite a lot of this type of situation where commercial buildings get converted to residential buildings. And, uh, and often those conversions um, have been poorly done and don't meet all the compliance requirements. And that, that was the case with the Ridge. Um, it was, you know, it really wasn't fit for purpose for um, residential apartment living, which has stricter requirements in terms of some of the egress fire related issues. And, and, and another point here is this. You know, we talk about this, this has been called the leaky building issue, but we're talking about building defects, extensive building defects that aren't just to do with moisture ingress, they're also to do with fire compliance structure and, uh, and, and seismic uh, seismic issues. So, you know, that building, um, it, it didn't get a final code compliance certificate, yet it was occupied, uh, units were sold and it was occupied. And very quickly, issues started to show up, and um, and the issue really was that as uh, it's a in a body corporate, it was difficult to get all the owners to to work together um, in order to to re to repair it. And once once it got started, the repair got started on the building, and um, it got opened up. A whole lot of other issues were found that weren't expected. Um, some maybe could have been identified had more investigation been done. But, uh, you know, that led to um, more difficulties. The, the building consent didn't cover all the work that was required. The cost of the work went up significantly. And the building, it got to the point where where uh, the owners couldn't continue. Um, cost was too high. Uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't get a design uh, because of some pretty fundamental issues when the building was converted that hadn't been addressed, it became very difficult to make it compliant again. And as a result, um, they just got to the point where they couldn't move forward. And um, and then, uh, you know, the, it's very difficult to deal with things at that stage. Um, and ultimately now, uh, that building will shortly go on the market to be sold in its current conditions so that um, somebody, you know, an individual will come and company, developer, um, construction company, and take it over and do something with it. Um, so, Roger, is, huge loss for the is, this, is this because the, the fixes that were put in place a couple of decades ago now, things like the Watertight Homes Adjudication Service and changes in the laws to get rid of shoddy material simply haven't worked, haven't been enough to solve the problem? Uh, I think I think the latter, you know, hasn't been enough to solve the problem. So it really only ch scratches the surface of of uh, of the issues. And 
you know, the issues uh, go back to uh, poor design, poor material um, selection, uh, poor construction, um, and, uh, and and in this body corporate environment, um, one of the big problems is that uh, although there's legislation that that um, covers covers the management of this type of situation, there's no enforcement, and so nobody really worries about the law, um, the requirement to maintain the properties. Um, various other things, and so uh, yeah, that that's how we end up getting what we've got. Actually, John, um, coming back to you, uh, one of the things that comes through in your series is that the body corporate system we have for managing apartments, where there are a lot of individual owners of individual units, is that it struggles with this because it's a democratic institution, body corporate, the majority get the, get what they want, but a lot of you have a significant minority, or even one or two, and it doesn't work for them. And these seem to be the people that you focused on, not being able to get what they wanted, missing out, losing out. So what do we do about the body corporate system that we have at the moment? Is it fit for this crisis? No, it's not. And, and that's the problem, Brian. We, we've been involved uh, with the ministry officials um, over the years to try and get uh, you know, a raft of changes through. The amendment to the Unit Titles Act, uh, fell, which came out um, a couple of years ago, has fallen well short of what's required or what we say is required to ensure that these problems are better managed. But one of the things that we we struggle with, you know, both in the unit title space and the Building Act space, is that we've got this behemoth of a uh, government department called MBIE, the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment, which looks after, well, loosely I say, uh, um, the Building Act and Unit Titles Act, and they are asleep at the wheel. There is no focus, Brian. We need a dedicated housing ministry like we used to have, and that that ministry would look after building and construction and housing matters. And the the biggest thing is that they need to use their powers to enforce the law, and they simply don't. They turn a blind eye to it. And you'll see that you know, we've tried to communicate with officials and, you know, and, and ministers, and it's very difficult to get straight answers or any response at all. And you know, that's a serious problem because these are our housing futures. And, you know, intensification and the need for housing in New Zealand is really, you know, very important because we are in a dire situation. And yet we have ministry officials who just don't have a clue, in my opinion. And, yet and, all, and also, John, you have, as you point out in the second episode of this new series, new builds going up, like the stone fields in Mount Wellington in Auckland, where there are problems with the new build. And then you've got Seascape, which is the high rise in downtown Auckland. Problems with some of the, the some disagreement. How would you describe it in terms of whether the the steel reinforcing is up to scratch or not? And one of the things that comes through in that is that the council inspection says it's fine. You've got independent inspector saying maybe it's not. I guess I'm wondering why it is that. 20 years later, we are still building apartments that may not be watertight or have a long-term future. Well, yeah, that's, that's you know, the point of our exercise in, in creating these uh, episodes in the documentary because we're the voice of the consumer. <laughs> well, we, you know, we've been trying very hard. We've been campaigning for 17 years for improvements in the space, Brian, and it's been incredibly difficult. And... 
you know, we need to get the attention of, of government. We need to get the attention of the ministry officials as well because they become blockers in terms of what's passed on to the ministers who are responsible. And so it's, it's a real challenge, but it is still going on, and it's not only restricted to um, apartment buildings. And it's it not restricted to Auckland either, is it? No, Quite it's not. Queens, I mean, Queenstown as well. Yeah, and, and you know, there are you know, standalone houses that have been built. I featured on uh, an interview with Fair Go a while ago with a terrible situation down there where a standalone house was built, and that's now been... That, they haven't occupied it. The poor owners haven't occupied it. It's been dismantled. And, in fact, the, the current builders who have been contracted to remedy the problem um, say they can't can't fix it. You know, it's a real, you know, so how the hell does that happen? You know, the, the council, as the building consent authority, the Dazeen City Council in that case, are asleep at the wheel. And we see that repeated up and down the country where, you know, the, the building consent authorities um, are under-resourced. They find it difficult to get qualified staff. And they can't, in fairness, they can't be on site all day, every day. But, you know, they are missing things. And you look at the Stonefields case, you know, built by Fletcher Construction, you know, reputedly, you know, one of the you know, top builders in the country, and, and designed by uh, award-winning architects and structural engineers. How did that end up with structural issues, but more importantly, the fire safety issues, which are a life safety risk? How does that happen? Well, you know, that's the question we've been putting in this uh, series of documentaries um, because we need answers and we don't get them directly from the ministries because they just want to see, you know, they want to see the examples, you know, how, you know, what's the extent of the problem. Well, all it takes is one building to be non-compliant in, you know, in terms of fire or structure and we've got a problem. You know, one day it may, God forbid... Uh, cause a loss of life. Are the local councils who are charged with giving consent to, to, for checking that buildings are compliant in a bind? Because say with something like Seascape, which is such a massive investment and means for the council revenue coming in and rates, it means employment for the city of Auckland. Are they in a bind in terms of maybe under pressure to turn a blind eye or not be as vigilant as you think they should be when it comes to building standards? Um, it wouldn't be fair to say they turned a blind eye. I think they try hard enough. Uh, but it is very difficult to police you know, the, the rapid construction of you know, large buildings. Um, and they are heavily reliant on the experts who provide producer statements and, and so forth that the council rely on you know, for compliance in, in every stage of the build. But, you know, the seascape example, you know, that raises some significant questions about the way in which, you know, that building and others like it now are going up and, you know, problems exist and are they being thoroughly investigated? And that is a question that hangs in my mind every day. Um, One of our colleagues here at RNZ, and you interviewed him, Phil Pennington, has been working on that particular story. Yes, he's done an amazing job. (laughs) You're listening to Nine to Noon on RNZ National. I'm Brian Crumpin for Catherine Ryan. My guests right now are John Gray and Roger Levy. They are the founders of the Homeowners and Buyers Association, Hobans. We're talking about the ongoing problem with buildings, apartments, but mostly apartments that are not up to scratch the leaky building crisis dragging on. Now, in the third episode, you did focus on maybe ways out of this. 
And we've yes. talked about some of the issues like, for example, body corporates. What's the alternative to apartment management if it's not a body, body corporate? Well, there is none. Uh, you know, the body corporate structure is problematic because the legislation is not really fit for purpose in its completeness. Um, and it's a mu- you, you see you know, many buildings going up around uh, the country and the real estate agents are advertising it as, uh, you know, there's no body corporate here, as if it's an advantage. Um, but those properties are generally um, you know, being uh, structured in a owner's association uh, or a cross-lease, which are problematic in themselves. And at the very least, you know, one of the pillars of the uh, Unit Titles Act is there is recourse you know, and there is a legislative regime that sits around it, which binds all the owners um, to you know, be responsible uh, for maintenance and making sure they don't you know, paint their building a different colour or something like that. Um, but again, we just come back to that problem with enforcement, Brian. You know, the ministry officials, in one case, they have flatly refused my request to investigate you know, these buildings to ensure that they're fire safe. For example, and we just—they're not using their powers, and that would improve the uh, standards dramatically. If Why they, aren't they using their powers? We don't know. <laughs> we and this this comes down to you know the chief exec under the Unit Titles Act, the chief executive is responsible for enforcing um, the the Unit Titles Act and pursuing the investigation into various matters. Um, but who is the chief executive of the you know that holds responsibility for the Unit Titles Act? It's really hard to find out because of that behemoth of the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. And again, it'll be just they they, they duck for cover, they, sh- they 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 shuffle the papers, and and it, it nothing gets done. And we have presented evidence of the problems over many many years, and they just simply ignore it. Now, Roger, you went to. Australia and Canada to look at solutions. Canada had a bit of a leaky building crisis ahead of New Zealand. What has Canada done to solve the problem there? Yeah, the Canadian model is an interesting one. Um, they they attacked it a bit differently, quite differently to us. Um, so first of all, the, the issue in, in Canada arose mainly um, in their condominiums, um, so their multi-unit environment, whereas the starting point in New Zealand was more the individual dwellings. And in Canada, uh, the the municipality, the the local council government, um, became heavily involved and set up um, uh, what they called the Home Protection Office and and put a a large amount of money in that that people could borrow um, from to fix their buildings. And they also uh, uh, regulated the environment significantly by accrediting specific organisations, builders and um, and others to to do work and, uh, and tying those people to the work that they did much more closely in terms of their liability. And uh, and so they, they created a regime which was which allowed people to focus really more on restoring the value of their properties than worrying about the cost involved in repairing them. And as a result, um, you know that they got on and and properly repaired buildings, and uh, and in that Canadian environment, those buildings that have been repaired um, sell at a premium because they're seen to be uh, or that they are, you know, uh, better uh, better buildings that that will last 
the distance because of the oversight. Um, and, and I've got to say, New Zealand, I, I think we, we will see a similar thing happen here because where buildings are being repaired um, and, you know, people can afford to do so um, either because they're, you know, they've been able to get money back through litigation or, um, or they can come together uh, and find sufficient funds to do the repair. Uh, then the oversight of the repair is much higher than a new build. And so we are seeing um, where people are doing it properly, the the buildings that are being repaired performing better Didn't, than, than a lot of the new builds. The, the thing is too, uh, though, that, that, John's, that, yeah, that system, Brian, uh, going beyond the leaky condominium problem they had in Canada, you know, they've introduced a system where there is personal responsibility yes, that's and what I was civil, going to come to. civil and criminal consequences if you get it wrong. And you can't hide behind a company and dissolve it like many developers do and many construction companies do. And you can't get away. You, you, the directors of the companies are made responsible. And, you know, it's like we have in the company, you've got the Mainzial uh, situation, you know, more recently in New Zealand where... You know, they built some leaky buildings as well. But, the, you know, the directors have been held responsible for the, the failures of that company. And it's a similar context in terms of the building um, regime or building regulatory regime in Canada. In, Austra- in Australia, a, John, yes. Victoria, compulsory insurance. Yes. In New South Wales, a building commissioner. Oh, yes, we right. wish. You, you wish. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Would, so say with that, would you take out some of the responsibilities for, for oversight from, from MB, give it to a building commissioner? Yes. And I'm thinking, well, in the, in the regime of our new government, which is saying we don't want any more new bureaucracy, how do you persuade them that that's a good idea, setting up a new institution? Well... Yeah, it has to come, Brian. I mean, it's very um, disconcerting, you know, to look at the, the new government's policy around building and construction. They want to let the dogs off the leash, leash again. You know, they want to allow builders to build without building consent. They want to reduce red tape, and it's a combined National Party and uh, ACT Party, you know, to uh, deregulate the industry, to, to let it free. And, yes, we do need to increase the, you know, the, the ability to to um, build houses in you know greater numbers but what does that create i mean we go back to what the national party did in the early 1990s in introducing the the new performance based building act and they got it wrong and it has been wrong and going wrong ever since and they even want to you know protect councils by introducing private certifiers again well that was an abject failure in itself and they want to repeat it this is insanity brian so it looks like we're going for round two and hell in the handcasket. Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, the downside of this is what you see in the documentaries is the human element to it all, the impact it is having on good New Zealanders who are losing their shirts. You know, they are, you know, they're having to spend more money to repair their homes, their defective homes, than in some cases what they paid to buy it in the first place. And that is the greatest, you know, consumer harm problem we have in New Zealand today. Plenty of material then for Living How 3? Absolutely. John, Roger, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Brian. It's John thank Gray. You, Brian. Thanks, Roger. And Roger Levy. They are both, well, the founding members of the Home Buyers, Homeowners and Buyers Association, Hobans, looking after the interests of those caught up with uh, defective buildings.
around Aotearoa.